happy Monday morning. It is so great to be with all of you with a brand new episode of the Alex Fuse Show here on all podcasting platforms. It's a great Monday morning. The Dodgers are advancing to the World Series. They'll play the Rays starting tomorrow night. It's going to be an exciting series. I hope it's seven games just because that means more baseball. We got a big show for you this morning. We'll be talking with Bill Brown, who has been with the Houston Astros organization for over 34 years as their broadcaster, as well as their community outreach executive in the front office down there in Houston. And Bill has been a great support and mentor for me over the last few years in my own career. So it's always great getting the chance to talk with Bill. We touched on the Astros and Rays series that we saw and how exciting that was. Dusty Baker and his thoughts on his first year as the Astros manager, as well as what the offseason looks like for this Astros team. A couple big free agents. Going to be interesting to see how the Astros approach. And then also Sportscasting 101, Bill's new book that he wrote and is now out for purchase anywhere. You can look for books on Amazon as well as their own website. So now without further ado, joining us this morning, Bill Brown, broadcaster for the Houston Astros and community outreach executive in the Houston Astros front office. Joining us on the podcast today, Bill Brown, Astros play-by-play voice and community outreach executive for the Houston Astros. Bill, you spent the past 34 seasons with the Houston Astros and this year, has been an unprecedented year with everything going on. Dusty Baker said it best, and I actually agree with Dusty what he said. You might not like this team, but you have to respect this team. And I do respect the team that they had in the season that they had because it's not easy in 2020. And the Astros made it look easy, and they really just put up a great series against the Rays. They did, Alex. You know, I think Dusty did um, categorize things pretty well. For a lot of fans who who have the Astros as their most hated team now, uh, based on what happened in 2017, right. and you know they, they've addressed that. They they moved on through 2019. I think they were fortunate that there were not fans in the stands because they would have heard about that all season long. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, they didn't really play that well in the regular season. As you know, they were under 500 at 29 and 31, and. Uh, it kind of crazy to think that they were you know, a few hits away from a World Series when they were essentially the worst American League playoff team in the field. Essentially, they wouldn't have even made the playoffs if it wasn't for the expanded playoffs. So when you look at things like just facts, it's surprising that, you know, they made it to the American League Championship Series and not only put up a fight against the Rays, they tried to come back when they fell behind 3 nothing. When you're watching that series, Bill, did you have flashbacks to 2004? And did you think at some point in time that this Astros team might have been able to pull off the comeback like the Red Sox did back in 04? Well, you know, I, I was reading about that again and um, reading that the players had seen the documentary about it and they got fired up. They got some inspiration from that. And that's uh, certainly fair game for those guys. Whatever they can use for inspiration uh, helps them in that regard. But to me, it was it was so different uh, because of the fact that, you know, they had lost Justin Verlander. They lost Roberto Osuna. They lost, you know, um, Jordan Alvarez, who was really a big part of their lineup last year. Uh, those losses, and then Joe Smith, who would have been a key in the bullpen, had opted out of playing this year. So, you know, many teams had stories like that, but these are major losses that the Astros sustained this year. And 
the, the thing that I think was the biggest shock to me was that their rookie pitchers were able to contribute at a high level, and they, they really relied on them and continued to do that on through the postseason. The Rays advance to the World Series. They'll be playing the L.A. Dodgers in the 2020 World Series. You know, that concludes the season for the Astros. They go into the offseason, and there are some big free agents. George Springer is among those. Springer is really the face of this Astros comeback, right? He was on the cover of the Sports Illustrated magazine when back in 2014, right before they made the rebuild. How crucial do you think this offseason is going to be for the future of this Astros core that we've seen grow over the last few seasons? It's going to be very important, Alex, and I, I don't know if they have room in their budget to sign Springer. I don't know what his value is. You know, things have changed so much uh, with no fans in the stands and with these major league teams sustaining huge losses this year. It's a fair question of, of how that will affect the budgets for all these clubs. I know they want to, to keep him. Jim Crane, the owner, has said that. Um, I think when players get in the final year of their contract, they quite often are determined to hit the open market, see what competitive bidding brings them. And I'm sure uh, it would be shocking if George signed without doing that. I'm, I'm sure he's going to go through the process at this point. He's never said anything about, you know, re-signing with the Astros. He's just kept at everything at a distance. So I think that he will go through the process. I think he'll be open to it, but I think the Astros will probably have to be the highest bidder or close to the highest bidder to retain him. You know, other than uh, JT Realmuto, who probably will re-sign with the Phillies, I think Springer's the top position player on the market this winter, so his value will still be very high. Mm-hmm. Switch it up, get into your career a little bit, and you have a book out right now, Sportscasting 101. Where did you find this inspiration to write a book about basically the – art of what you've done your entire career partly because of talking with guys like you and um and even younger than you uh who want to go into this business and i thought well i'm i'm very near the end uh, so maybe there's something i can do you know i, I can't go back you you have people right now alex who are, who are helping you as we all did and i can't go back now and thank those people for the help they gave me it's too late so maybe there's some way to impact uh, the next generation by doing a book like this. And, you know, it, it proved to be something that I thought was so much fun because I started interviewing sportscasters that I knew. And then I was introduced to sportscasters I had heard of, but didn't know and uh, just wrote their life stories. So that might be helpful to somebody like you to read about, Hey, where did this guy start? Uh, what's his journey been like? Um, it's not a textbook, certainly at all. There are a few little hints here and there, but um, I think the general sports fan who follows sportscasters has a favorite here and there uh, would have some interest and would have some entertainment from this book, but it's written primarily for your generation. A lot of people think of this industry as cookie cutter if you're not in it, and it's the complete opposite. You don't have a clear-cut path to quote, unquote, your own success in the industry. When exactly did you realize that there was no true path to greatness in the sports industry in in your own career? I don't know exactly. I probably couldn't pinpoint it. But when I was 14, I knew I wanted to be a play-by-play guy. Um, And then, of course, uh, you know, we get into this in the book quite a bit. It's really interesting to see 
each individual's choice of colleges. And, you know, uh, there's a guy who's doing a San Antonio Spurs, Bill Schoening, and he's been with the Spurs since 01. He does the game solo, no color man. So, um, and he's developed quite a reputation for himself. He's one of the best in the NBA. He grew up in South Philadelphia and he dropped out of Temple University his first semester because he realized he was not going to get enough chances to do play by play through their journalism school. And he was going to have to do this on his own. And that's the realization that hits uh, you and all of us at some point, probably early in college, I would say, uh, okay, how can I get the experience? Yes, I'm going to get the degree, but I need more than that. I need to get experience while I'm working on my degree. This is a young person profession. So the earlier start, the better. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a job doing high school games when I was in college and several people uh, in the book did that same thing. And that's what I would recommend, but that's not the easiest path, you know, getting a job doing high school games. How do you do that? Um, these days it's a lot easier because of uh, the way things are structured in our business. So it's, it's quite possible if you want to do high school games, can probably do it. You can, you can get um, a microphone hooked into your computer and then it's a matter of getting an agreement with a high school to allow you to do their games and you get a tape and somebody listens to your tape and hopefully you're on your way. So I think we've talked about this, you know, outside the interview times that you know, when I've interviewed you in the past, but I want to ask you on this podcast, again, you spent 34 years with the Astros organization. How did you and your career not become complacent in whether it was a broadcasting role or the role as the community outreach executive? I think uh, the way to do that is to kind of kind of take measure of yourself, look around you. And every time I looked around me and saw, you know, the John Millers of the world, the Bob Costas's, um, Al Michaels, you, know, you, you, you couldn't possibly be complacent if you were in my shoes and saw those guys and how much better they were than I was. So there's always that striving to improve, uh, to get to a higher level. And, uh, you know, I would just marvel at the fact that I could talk to a Jack Buck uh, when he was alive and things of that nature. And um, I was pretty much in awe of uh, the people at the top of the chain, like Jack. So I think there's that, that keeps you humble. I think uh, watching other broadcasters keeps you humble because you realize that they have skills that you need to develop a little further. And then uh, just your desire, you know, one year contracts will keep you humble too. <laughs> That's a pretty good incentive. <laughs> you know, I talked with uh, Jeff Leverin about that a few weeks ago, and he goes, when I got to the AAA calling game for the Pawtucket Red Sox, he said that the contract I had wasn't year to year. It wasn't week to week. It was word by word. Do you feel like that sometimes? I think so. And uh, you know what? I realized uh, the further my career developed that that was helping me. Um, I, I think that people can get complacent if they – are secure in their job for another several years and they're settled in, you know, later on in life and don't worry too much about it, maybe relax a little bit too much, maybe, you know, feeling their celebrity or whatever the case might be. 
those can be negatives. Uh, Bill, this is my favorite part of any interview I do. Like, you know, it's a fast five quick round. It's five quick questions, and you have however long you take to answer them. Are you ready? <laughs> I think so. I haven't had one of these for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> the first one, who is the most underrated player you've ever covered in your career? Boy, uh, you know, it might be in his early years, Jose Altuve, I think. Uh, I don't think anyone could have foreseen him as an MVP. Now, of course not, but um, I'll go with that. Okay, I like that one. Uh, number two, biggest pet peeve of yours? I think uh, my biggest pet peeve would be people who take things for granted. Um, you know, in sports, you can't take anything for granted. So that's that's a good lesson for all of us. You have to prove yourself every single day. Number three, you mentioned that you really enjoyed the part of writing the Sportscasters 101 book by reaching out to broadcasters you've known, just really haven't talked to. Who's one of them that you've reached out to that you haven't worked with that you would love to work with? I talked to a guy, and I don't do hockey, but his name is Josh Bogorod. And he's a young, you know, mid-30s age broadcaster with uh, the Dallas Stars. And just from hearing his life story, I would love to work with him someday. He seems like a great guy. Mm -hmm. Number four, what is the single most important thing in your life? Uh, my belief in Christ as my personal savior. Number five, again, you've done a lot of these interviews throughout your entire career. It's something I always like to ask someone I know might give me a good answer to this one. It's a tough one. What is one question you've never been asked in an interview that you've always wanted to have been asked? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, you know, I probably have been asked this, but not very much. What would you have done if you hadn't been a sportscaster? Mm. And I have no clue. I, I, <laughs> I had no plan B whatsoever. None. Well, I guess I, I'm in the same boat. I think I have a few backup options. You know, I could go into retail or or I could just continue helping on my family farm uh, the rest of my life. Those are my two backup options if this thing doesn't work out. So it's good to always have some backup option, right, Bill? Well, it is in, um, you know, some, some people in the book, and, and I would sign on to the advice that they gave, develop your writing skills, even though you're a play-by-play -play broadcaster, we'll say. And so that would be a fallback position. You could try to get a job as a sports writer. And then the last question I have for you, Bill, if a 15-year-old kid walked up to you right now and said, Bill, I don't like baseball. It's boring to me. I'm never going to watch. What are you saying to that 15-year-old kid? I'm going to say, look, you know, that's your life choice. Uh, there, there are many things you can do with your spare time. Far be it from me to tell you what to do. But the more you watch baseball, the more you understand that you don't know baseball, that there is so much to learn about it. And the more unpredictable it comes, I think the more you fall in love with it. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. I think baseball is a different sport than any other. And I think more people should give it a shot, a true shot, in my opinion. Uh, Bill, thanks so much again for taking the time to come on the podcast this morning. Again, we talked about your book. Where can people read it and, and purchase it, even if you don't have a true interest in getting involved in the sportscasting industry and broadcasting industry, and you're just a fan of these broadcasters that are the soundtrack to your favorite moments in being a sports fan? Where can people purchase it as well as follow you along on social media throughout this time? Well, it's at Amazon. Uh, there also is, is a book website, sportscasting101.com, and there's a link there that will connect you to Amazon. There's an ebook 
that's five dollars i like that for an option for a young person uh, and um i'm at, at brownie tw on twitter and i'm on facebook and instagram as well so um yeah i always enjoy hearing from people but thank you alex well, thank you again, everyone, for tuning into this episode of The Alex Fuse Show. I truly do appreciate all of your support throughout this journey. I can't wait to continue it this week. It's another big week. Stay tuned with more guests. Every single episode is going to have a different guest that will be an interest to you, hopefully. So, again, appreciate all the support. Thank you for listening. Be a subscriber. Give us that five-star review on ever where you find your and listen to your podcast. And again, enjoy the day. It's a great Monday. Find something you've never done before and do it today. Accomplish that dream and goal that you've always wanted to do but never have because it's a great day to do that. Well, without further ado, have a great rest of your day. And don't forget to be kind to one another. Have a fantastic Monday.